Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. You know, I have been telling you about the fact that this month, November, is one of the prime times uh, to go and see the Brown Mountain Lights. And over the past 25 years or so, I've been investigating what it is about Brown Mountain that can create these big balls or rings or whatever you want to call them, a, a plasma that sort of float and hover around the mountain at night. And just a day or two ago, Mobius alerted me to a fascinating science story that comes to us from Caltech. And the headline is, engineers have created an, quote, impossible, end quote, stable ring of plasma in the open air. Um, and I've been trying to figure out the best way to explain the significance of this experience. If you follow me um, on Twitter, uh, you'll see that I posted this story. Uh, same thing with uh, my Facebook page. But how, how to explain, you know, I guess my experience is, is what I'm getting at when it comes to our study of plasmas and what might be happening at Brown Mountain. So let, let me give this a shot and then try to make this as, as clear as possible. Um, over the years, a lot of people have put forth, you know, theories regarding what might be happening at Brown Mountain and similar places where these plasmas appear sort of floating over top of valleys or mountains or plains. And one of the things that my team and I sort of came up with, uh, gosh, going all the way back to the early 2000s, is the idea that, well, when, when there's rain uh, flowing through Brown Mountain, we tend to see more of these illuminations. And... When we did the experiment that made the cover of the Science Journal in 2004 called Electric Spacecraft, um, we produced a plasma in the laboratory inside a vacuum. And the reason we did that was not that it necessarily had to happen in a vacuum, but that the voltage in Mother Nature is so strong, so powerful, that we could never reproduce that in a lab. So to compensate for that, we created one of these glowing balls of light in a vacuum because it has a lot to do, I think, with the relationship between the amount of energy and the environment, the atmosphere. And so what you're looking at is that relationship between the amount of electricity and the resistance that you're going to get to that electricity from the atmosphere. And again, I, uh, I hope I'm making this clear because I, I don't want this to be boring to anybody who, who doesn't, you know, study plasma physics and all that. 
Um, and so we created this interesting little, you know, floating plasma inside of this tube, essentially. And I have long said that this is uh, one of the components that might give us an idea as to how these energy forms manifest in Mother Nature. Um, it's also interesting to think about the fact that um, when when you are in Mother Nature, there are a million different variables, but humans are inclined to dissect things and break them down to their smallest parts and study those one piece at a time. It reminds me a lot of the conundrum that we face in modern medicine, where you might have people who are very good at understanding how a particular organ functions, but you combine that organ with all the other things happening inside the human body, and it becomes very complicated because you're trying to you know, pick out that, that one particular thing uh, that might be happening to you while considering all of the other things happening in your body. So that said, anytime there is an advancement made in plasma physics, even though plasma is, um, is a very interesting phenomenon, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about what, what, I, what I mean when I say that uh, shortly, what we're really talking about here is not something that is going to necessarily say, okay, we have a singular phenomenon that's going to explain everything, but we might have a singular phenomenon that is a big key in terms of what is happening. Now, if you're kind of new to plasma, let me just clarify what plasma is because it gets confusing. A lot of people think of plasma and they think of blood because we also call part of what's in the blood, plasma. But in terms of physics, uh, plasma is considered the fourth state of matter. So in other words, if we take something like an ice cube, that ice cube is made of solid water. And what that means is it's at a temperature where all of the molecules are connected very tightly, and that's why it's a solid. Now, you add a little energy to that, and usually it's in the form of heat, and what happens is that those molecules, they start sort of jittering around and moving a little faster, and they become slippery, and that solid turns into a liquid. Now, what I'm really describing here is the melting of an ice cube. So the solid turns into a liquid because you add energy to it and the molecules are not stuck together as tightly. Now, you add even more energy to that, and again, we'll just stick with heat. The molecules spread even farther apart, and at that point, we have what we think of as steam which is a gas. But when you take a gas and you apply even more energy to it, 
Well, then that's when something truly extraordinary occurs. Scientifically speaking, that is when there's so much energy that it literally strips one or more electrons out of the atoms. And therefore, you end up with this sort of swirling, glowing mass that ultimately is a combination of free-floating electrons and atoms that now have a positive charge because they're missing some of their electrons. Again, please forgive me if this is sounding too technical, but a plasma is something that you've actually seen many times throughout your life. A candle flame is a plasma. Um, a bolt of lightning is a plasma. Uh, the sun exists primarily in a state of plasma. As a matter of fact, we are told by astronomers that most of the observable universe actually exists in the plasma state, but it's just kind of rare here on Earth. So if you look at something that's sort of a glowing free form and it's not a solid, it's, it's not a liquid, it's not a gas, well, then it's a plasma. And so at Brown Mountain, we've thought whatever the Brown Mountain lights are, they're probably a form of plasma. Now we have this story from Caltech. And it's amazing how sometimes scientists do things that uh, give us amazing insight into how nature works, but it doesn't really seem that complicated to perform the experiment. And this is one of those examples. These scientists at Caltech have been taking plates. Now, I don't know for certain, but I'm imagining that one of these plates might be the size of, say, a menu when you go to dinner. Maybe it's smaller than that. I'm just not really sure. But they have plates that are made of crystals. They could be quartz crystal. They could be lithium crystal. But it's just a flat piece of crystal. And then they have been taking these nozzles that can shoot a jet of water just along the surface of those things with such power that it's almost like the same power you would get from a gunshot. Now what happens is when the water jet hits the crystal plate, it sort of creates this vortex and all of a sudden, lo and behold, you see this big, beautiful, glowing ring of stable plasma that appears over top of the plate. And they're not doing this in a vacuum. There are no magnetic fields involved. That's why this headline is, engineers have created an, quote, impossible 
impossible stable ring of plasma. So as long as this jet is hitting that crystal plate, it is stirring up so much energy that it actually creates this super excited state of matter. Um, in fact, I'm looking at the story right here, and I'm just going to read a little bit of it to you. It says, using a thin jet of water and a crystal plate, engineers from Caltech found that they could create the shape without any container and maintain it indefinitely. Quote, we were told by some colleagues this wasn't even possible. But we can create a stable ring and maintain it for as long as we want, no vacuum or magnetic field or anything, end quote. So ultimately, what you have to realize here is they are saying that by taking something as simple as a, a highly focused stream of water and shooting it at a crystalline plate, they can create a plasma that is a nice, round, stabilized plasma. And at Brown Mountain, I have been saying for decades, Brown Mountain is so full of quartz crystal that everywhere you walk, there, there are just big chunks of quartz everywhere. When you are camping at Brown Mountain, you can take a magnet and put it on a string, and I've done this many times, and you can drag it along behind you and then pick it up after five minutes, and there are all kinds of particles attached to the magnet, iron and magnetite, you know, type things. I'm telling you that because this is adding a, even an additional layer, going back to what I was saying about Mother Nature being even more complex than what we can work on one bit at a time in the lab. But the bigger picture here is that I have always felt that when water is running through Brown Mountain and it's, it's running over these crystals, these quartz crystals, that this plays a role in producing what we see as these balls of light. And who knows if they're actually balls of light. They might be rings of light, but they just appear like balls of light to the naked eye or to most of the cameras and other technology that we are, we are using. So I know you might say, okay, well, at Caltech, they're using a super-powered jet of water, which you're not going to get necessarily from just like rainwater coming down and, and moving through the structure. However, um, we don't know exactly what's happening within Brown Mountain. It may be that there are reservoirs within Brown Mountain that are able to collect a certain amount of water, and then it's just kind of like when, you know, uh, the crack appears in, in the dike, uh, water comes shooting out and starts building up this kind of a charge on the rocks. Again, I don't know. I'm just saying this as a hypothesis, as what may be happening. But ultimately, if we now have proof that the combination of water moving over a crystalline substance like quartz 
can produce a stabilized plasma, a glowing ball or ring of light, without it being in a vacuum or uh, without necessarily being affected by magnetism, well, this in and of itself shows that it is possible and plausible that at places on Earth like Brown Mountain, where you just have those two variables, you just have the crystalline substance and water, not to mention all the other variables, that that in and of itself could hypothetically create some of these kinds of lights. And I have been uh, talking for the longest time about how that we, we need to open our minds to the fact that, yes, there is a lot of interesting and complex stuff happening at Brown Mountain, but these lights are real just like they're real in Hestelin, just like they're real in uh, the Marfa lights, even though that might be a slightly different thing. And it's amazing to me to see that as time goes on, and we're learning more and more about how plasmas are created, we have to reflect upon the fact that in the 1800s, you had researchers like Charles Fort, who talked about ball lightning uh, he also talked about things that people had never heard about before then, like teleportation. He invented that word. Uh, the idea of raining frogs and all that kind of stuff. This goes back to Charles Fort, what we often call Fortean phenomena. And so scientists for many years, up until just, I mean, even when I was in college, 20-some 20, 20 years ago. At that time, scientists didn't even believe that ball lightning was necessarily real. I mean, I took meteorology in college, and my meteorology professor, he fortunately witnessed ball lightning at one point in his life, and so he knew it was real, but he was telling us in class, he says, well, I'm telling you this is real, but uh, the, the rest of the scientists out there still don't believe it's real. So little by little, we have come to the conclusion that, okay, not only is ball lightning type plasma on Earth real, um, but there are certain places that tend to create it more because of the combination of conditions. And so... I want to I always want to make this clear and I said this just recently on another podcast. I'm not at all suggesting that when you take a place like Brown Mountain and you come up with an explanation for how the balls of light are being produced that that discounts all the other weird paranormal stuff happening. It may just be that places where paranormal phenomena have a, a tendency to arise um also happen to be places where these things manifest. It gets back to the chicken or the egg question. What's creating this um, cause and effect? But that said, I do feel it is important to bring this to your attention. 
and uh, I hope that you'll look this up. I'm planning on, on studying this very closely, and at some point in my own laboratory, I'm going to try to reproduce this myself. And then hopefully, if I can successfully reproduce this, then I can also put some other variables in there, similar to what we have at Brown Mountain. I can introduce some literal rocks that I've collected from Brown Mountain. I can take some of the quartz from Brown Mountain and try this with those rocks. And it may be it's, it's that simple on one level, simply taking the relationship between water and crystal and turning it into uh, this dynamic um, system where where plasmas are produced. So forgive me if I've bored you, but this is actually extremely fascinating. It's uh, very interesting on a number of levels because if we can figure out how to create controlled, stabilized plasmas, then this has enormous implications for uh, communications and propulsion and non-lethal weaponry and all kinds of things um, that we would love to see introduced almost like a Star Trek or Star Wars type technology where we understand more about how the the simple relationship between just the right ingredients can produce these energy forms that we can manipulate and control and use for beneficial purposes. So hopefully all that made sense. Uh, <laughs> if not, again, thank you for bearing with me. I believe that's it for tonight, though. Uh, if you would like to research this more deeply, I hope that you will. Um, just do a search for uh, engineers have created an impossible stable ring of plasma in the open air. You can read about this yourself. And uh, I, I guess as one last note, I will tell you that we have our final batch of uh, items at unusualauctions.com. Uh, I'm not going to be listing anything new. I've halted the listing of all things. So uh, if you go to unusualauctions.com, you'll see the things that are currently available. And uh, let me tell you, people have been getting some amazing, amazing deals because I don't put a reserve on anything. I start all the auctions at 99 cents. The shipping is free. and the money goes primarily to charity and to operating costs for the Asheville Mystery Museum. Again, check it out at unusualauctions.com. All right, that's it, my friends. Remember, if you are interested in this daily podcast, it's always short. And uh, one of my uh, listeners the other day, he, he sent me a really nice email saying how much he's enjoying these, and he says it's a perfect pocket podcast is what he calls it because it is short. I like that. A pocket podcast. Go to joshuapwarren.com and you'll click the link to the top there to take you to the podcast. There are plenty of them to listen to and you can subscribe via various methods and also follow me on Twitter 
and I will post when a new one is ready for you. Thank you for uh, your interest. Thanks for your support. Thanks for staying curious, and I will talk to you again soon.